You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. Please find a Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 5. We continue in our series here on the Holy Spirit. This series, Lord willing, is going to take us just to Easter. hope you want to be aware of that. It'll be a, a bit of a break in March. We're going to continue on again, Lord willing, to Easter. Galatians 5, we'll be looking at verses 16 to 25 today. And today we have a, a very important message. It's a very important message because our passage today, in many ways, you listen to this carefully, our passage today defines the Christian life designs the way we are to live the Christian life and directs the entire Christian life. So that's a pretty massive statement. Some of us heard it, some of us didn't. Turning in our Bibles, we're thinking about whatever, but let me just say it again, and hopefully we can all hear it then because it is so important. Our text today, Galatians 5, 16 to 25, is a passage that defines, designs, and directs uh, the entire Christian life. Our passage today will also describe the believer, unbeliever as well, but it will describe the Christian who has fallen off his or her bike and lying in the ditch and suffering from their own misery and apathy and lack of victory in Jesus Christ. So in one sense, you'll see the believer lying in the ditch off their bike, unable to really do much and have any real kind of victory in Christ in their lives. And then it will also describe, though, the believer in Jesus Christ who is living the empowered Life, the strengthened life, the victorious life in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very, very important passage. It's going to define the difference of living by the flesh and living by the Holy Spirit of God. So my question to you right now is where are you on your spiritual bike? Are you in the ditch or are you riding and cruising by the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit of God? So speaking of bikes, let's take that metaphor and put it on the screen here for a second, all right? So here's a guy that I'm going to say is representing the metaphor of the picture. He's filled with the strength and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. Look at him. He's no hands, man. That's what happens with the Holy Spirit of God. It's not our effort. It's his effort in us. Look at the smile on his face. He's, he's happy. He's, he's filled with joy, man. He's going exactly where he wants to go. He's excited about how it's going. And this is a, a picture or a metaphor of the life that is filled and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God, but we got to be careful because if our eyes get off of Jesus Christ, if we fail to walk by the Spirit of God, we'll see in our passage today, then this begins to happen. Then all of a sudden, oh, 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 the, the wheel has been turned, all right? And all of a sudden, the direction is not certain. The smile has quickly evaporated from his face. He is now filled with fear. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And so he's in this place now of getting a bit in trouble. And then we'll go to the next slide here. So we see now he is, his bike has now turned up and he's in real problem. The flesh now has taken over, metaphorically speaking, all right? And he is, again, not going where he's supposed to go. He is not feeling strength and he is bracing for hurt and pain because that's what's going to happen. And the final picture we see here, here we go. All right. All right. The bike now is vertical. That's bad. He is horizontal. That's also bad. He's doing a total face plant. Also bad. Okay. Spiritually speaking, this is living and this is operating by the flesh. Let's do a summary of what we're looking at today in God's word. Okay. This is God's plan for us living by the Holy Spirit of God in Galatians 5, 16 to 25. This is the devil and our flesh's plan for us to put us in the ditch. The irony of this is that when we're in the ditch, the flesh says and Satan says, this is how you want to live. 
This is where blessing is found. This is when all we're going to meet and all we want to have and all the pleasure of life. But the reality is, this is what it ends up being. That's how, that's how much our world lies to us. That's how much our flesh, I mean, it's really about our flesh today. How much our flesh lies to us, promises everything, puts us in the ditch, face plant, humiliation and misery. But God wants to take us in a place where we are cruising by his strength with the joy of the Lord on our face. It doesn't mean this is easy. It just means we're living by the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. This is what our message defines for us today and directs us to. So, uh, one commentator, Tom Constable, he said this about verse 16. He says, um, this is one of the most important and helpful verses on Christian living in the Bible. So that's a big deal. Verse 16 itself, one of the most important and helpful verses on Christian living. I mean, do we have a desire to live as Christ wants us to live? We've got to pay attention to what's in front of us today then. Now, why would he say that? Because in verse 16 and forward, we find out this, who's really leading our lives? Now, that's a very important question. I want to ask you that right now, as I ask myself that right now. Who is leading your life? Who is the greatest leader over your life? Who's the greatest source of influence in your life? Who is it? I mean, a lot of us, we would point to parents, possibly, friends, employers, certain mentors. Some of us, it's celebrities, which I don't fully understand, but a lot. It's amazing the influence that's being sent down from our societal figures. For some of us, it's we're influenced leadership by through entertainment. Just the philosophy of our world and guiding our minds. Now, some of the examples I said there, some of them are good leaders, some of them not so much at all. But what needs to be as clear as ever for anyone who is truly saved in Jesus Christ, for anyone who is truly regenerate by the Holy Spirit of God, our single greatest leader must be the greatest influence upon our life, without exception, must be the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit of God. Because what do leaders do? They evoke and inspire followers. Again, who are you following? Now, what's the temptation is, or the, I think the sincerity in many hearts right now is, well, I'm following Christ, but are we really is that proven by our mind? Is that proven by our time? Is that proven by our wallets? Is that proven by our affections, as we'll see today? Of course, you and I can see her say today, yeah, yeah, the greatest leader in my life is the Holy Spirit. But let's really find out, is he? Is he really the greatest influencer on who we are, what we're doing, and who we seek to be? This is what the Bible wants to <coughs> say to us today and express to us today. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit is to be the one that we are in step with. And that becomes the question that frames our message. Is the Holy Spirit leading me? Or, as the Bible says today, am I in step with the Holy Spirit of God? Am I in step with the Holy Spirit of God? We're going to find out today. We're going to answer that question today. Let's look at Galatians 5, <coughs> verse, <coughs> excuse me, verse 16 says this, Paul says this, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, now notice four times already the word Spirit, capital S Spirit, has already been used. You have no question as to what the theme is of the passage that we are reading. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before. Listen to this. That those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now here's the massive contrast, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, contrasted with the works of the flesh, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Of course there's no law against these things. This is the very virtue and will of God in our lives. There's no law against those. Verse 24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then our final verse for today, verse 25. So therefore, if we live by the Spirit, let us also, here's our sermon title, keep in step with the Spirit. Again, the question we're asking today, am I in step with the Holy Spirit of God? Am I in step with the Holy Spirit of God? Let's find out. How do I keep in step with the Holy Spirit of God according to Galatians 5, verses 16 to 25? Three main answers to this question. Here's the first answer. Point number one, I must walk by the Spirit. Why? Because He's the flesh denier in my life. I must walk by the Spirit because He alone can deny the flesh that is my greatest enemy within me. Only the Holy Spirit is the true flesh denier. Again, verse 16. But I say walk by the Spirit. Why? Well, here you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. And they are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Notice right away, the Bible tells us again, loved ones, again the Bible is telling us that within us there's a war raging. And let's be clear here, okay? Often we're aware of the war raging outside of us. Valid, that's true. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, against the evil forces of darkness, the powers and principalities. But the reality is the single greatest enemy <coughs> that you and I face is the war raging within us. Now notice what this war is over within us. Notice in verses 16 and 17, notice the word desires shows up three times. Here's the battle. The desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the desires of the flesh. Now, if you look at the word desires there, desires means what? Desires means what is my heart set upon? Desires, note this, loved ones, this is important, okay? And by the way, today, there's a lot coming today. This is going to be a very in-depth message. Holy Spirit, help us to learn and pay attention and understand and be transformed. Desires, that word, is morally neutral, meaning it's neither good nor bad. It depends what our desires are set upon. 
Desires is what my heart, again, is set upon. It's the presence of strong desires, impulses, longings, um, the passionate craving toward an object or a person. So again, desire itself is neutral. But it's the battle for our desires, which is being described here, which also describes the entire Christian life. The desires, our affections, our longings, my heart. Is it set upon good, the will of the Spirit of God? Is it set upon evil, darkness, sin, the will of my flesh? This is the battle going on in every single one of us who is truly saved in Jesus Christ. You say, why do you make the distinction of those saved in Christ? Because the unbeliever knows nothing of this battle. There is no battle of Spirit of God versus flesh because the unbeliever doesn't have the Spirit of God within them. That's why when you come to Christ, all of a sudden you are aware of something you were never aware of before. There's a war raging within. It's a war for your heart and for mine. So what these verses are explaining is that every day we live in this battle, a battle for our heart. The Spirit of God versus the flesh of man, the flesh of our sin within us. Now notice in verse 17, notice how the Spirit of God within us and the flesh within us, they don't like each other at all. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They oppose one another to keep us from doing the things that we want to do. So the Spirit and the flesh within us are arch enemies. They never get along. <coughs> They're never at peace. They never agree. They never make a truce. 100% all the time until we get to glory and Jesus Christ, the spirit and the flesh within us are at war with one another. So think about it, loved ones. This battle raging within us every day the one side, the Spirit of God within us, seeks to produce life, joy, peace, blessing, eternal fruit, and hope, all rooted in truth. But the other side of this battle, the flesh within us, seeks to produce death, misery, pain, self-destruction, and false hope, all rooted in lies. Now when you put it like that, the choice seems to be really easy. Well, life, joy, and peace versus pain, death, and destruction? Of course I want life, hope, and peace. But if only it were that easy because of the subtle nature and the incessant pursuit of sin that our flesh rages within us. It's a battle, and you and I know it every single day. It's a war. And I'm praying even through this message, with more light shining in our own darkness, we will see our flesh for what it really is. A manufacturer of unending sin. We cannot produce righteousness of God ourselves. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Here's one of the bottom lines for today too. This battle raging of spirit versus flesh. Ready? One of the bottom lines. for if you, All you take from this message is this. This will be helpful. The only possible way to defeat the flesh in your life is the Holy Spirit of God. The only one who can overcome the flesh in my life and yours is by the power, the strength, and the grace of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. 
So the single greatest difference maker in this war that we are in of spirit versus flesh is verse 16. Look at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. There it is. There it is. Walk. Live in. Be directed by. May your main leader and influencer be the Holy Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will not carry out. You will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If I have any hope in denying the evil of my flesh, my only option as a believer in Christ is to walk by the Spirit of God. Now, can you see why verse 16 is so important for the Christian life? This is the difference, again, by those in the ditch and those who are being carried along in the strength and the presence of Almighty God. If I fail to walk by the Spirit, I don't stand a chance against the temptation and the passions of the flesh within. Walk here. What does walk here mean? It is a daily decision. It is an ongoing, every day I wake up, it's the intentionality of I must walk by the Spirit of God. It's not just a one-time act. It's a lifetime, a daily decision and in process of being with and led by the Holy Spirit of God. Walk by the Spirit so critical. I want to put up many translations just of this one verse in verse 16. This is a great way to study the Bible too. You can easily do this online and pull up different translations and just get a sense of what's happening underneath that meaning. It kind of, it kind of fills out the picture sometimes too. And some of these can be used as a commentary. Some of these translations are paraphrased. Some of them are thought for thought. Some of them are word for word like our translation and the ESV. But just, just want to help you see what does it mean to walk by the Spirit. Let your walk and conversation be dominated in influenced by the Spirit. I like that's good. As we live, we, 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 we wake up and the Holy Spirit's taking everything we have, thought and mind, word, deed. Let the Spirit direct. It's a very important word. He must direct our lives. Let your steps be guided. You see, there are all synonyms happening here. So it means to walk by the Spirit. Live by following the Spirit. Be guided by the Spirit. Live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. If He's regenerated you, then you must now follow the one who has given you life, of course. Live your whole life in the Spirit. And this is repeating from one up here, but let the Spirit direct your lives. But I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If we don't walk by the Spirit, we do not stand a chance. We must walk by the Spirit. He's the only one who can become the flesh denier within our lives. So I want to spell this out a little bit more because this is just so important. What does walking by the Spirit look like practically? Here's an idea right here on the screen for you here, okay? Walking by the Spirit means I depend upon the Spirit of God. Every day I live, every day I live. If you're going to walk by the Spirit, it must be dependence on. I must be influenced by. I must submit to. Loved ones, these are daily decisions that we are to make if we are to walk by the Spirit of God. I am guided by. I am in communion with the Holy Spirit. All of these are practical outworkings of what it means to walk by the Spirit. He's my leader. This is all I'm following His lead. But some of you are like, okay, 
I understand the themes of this. Can you get more practical for me, Robbie? Sure, let's go to the right column here, okay? So, if I'm walking with the Spirit, even more practically, what now, loved ones, please know this to you, okay? Walking by the Spirit, it's not supposed to be complicated. It's not supposed to be a secret. The secret to the life is walking by the Spirit, but the secret of walking by the Spirit is not supposed to be, again, really a secret at all. Prayer, of course. Prayer's dependence, prayer's influence, prayer's submission, reading God's Word. What we're doing right now in Galatians 5, we are aligning ourselves with what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us as how we follow Him. You don't read God's Word, don't stand a chance. You can't stand a chance being influenced, guided, and led by the Spirit of God. Yielding to Him, that is, that is not my will, yours be done, O oh God. It is, it is um, surrendering ourselves on a day-to-day basis. And so as I'm praying, as I'm reading God's Word, as I seek to repent, as I want to be led by Him, then what? I actively choose His will. Now again, praying, reading God's Word, in community with other believers, being held accountable, all of that adds up to being walking and led by the Spirit of God. Isn't that so simple? Listen, the main reason so many believers are floundering and in the ditch, no prayer, no Bible, no fellowship, no real communion with the Lord. And so you take those things out, of course you're not being led by the Spirit. You can't walk by the Spirit without prayer, without the Bible, without a group of people who love you in Jesus Christ. Without, sorry, you can't walk by the Spirit. So no wonder so many believers are in the ditch. Because they have no strength other than what's their own. And their self will always let them down. So here's what happens when we're praying and reading God's word and in community and in fellowship and yielding to the Lord, what begins to happen is we begin to mature in the Lord Jesus Christ. We begin to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I've taught on this before, but what happens, and this is so beautiful, as you begin to become aware of what the Lord wants you to do by his spirit, you find yourself every day with one of two choices, door A, door B. You walk up to a situation, you're about to say something. You're about to do something. You're about to think something intentionally. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You have door A, Robbie. Door A is the willful choice to sin in your flesh, to say that hurtful thing, to cheat on some act or at work, to do something that will be harmful, to be dishonest, whatever it is, to, to, to deceive. Door A is the choice of the flesh. He says, you can do that. You can walk through that door, but you will be willfully losing in life. And then he says, but here's door B. And door B is the way of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the path of life. It's the path of joy. It's the path that God guarantees to bless. Door B is always harder than door A. Door A is so much easier to walk through. Door A might feel like it's going to be right, but we have the choice. When you are growing in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are stopped by the presence of God. You see door A for what it is. You see door B for what it is. And at that moment, you decide if you want blessing or you want pain. Now, you might believe the Pain door is actually the, the pleasure door, but it will never work out that way, not in the long term. And every time we choose door B, the ways of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the, every time we choose that door, we are choosing the path of the Lord and therefore choosing the path of blessing. blessing. Imagine that just in the context of marriage alone. Every day, probably dozens of choices, door A, door B. And the mature Christians, they see them, and at that point, the Holy Spirit's like, man, I've told you, I've told you, will you walk with me, or will you be led by your flesh towards the destruction 
of self. So a term in our day, which is a very negative term, is DUI. Driving under the influence of alcohol. It's a serious criminal offense in our land. And that talks about someone who is under the influence of a substance that heightens the flesh to create a very, very difficult and very dangerous decision-making process where many, many lives are hurt and wounded or killed forever because someone is unable to operate under the proper influence. DUI. We are called as believers in Jesus Christ to walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5. Do not be drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. Do not be under the control of alcohol, but be under the control of the Holy Spirit of God because He leads us through the door and the path of blessing. I am telling you, this biblical teaching right now, right now, what we're talking about right now, this will be the massive difference maker for every single one of us who care to live in the life of Jesus Christ. It's wisdom versus foolishness. It's so simple, yet so profound the ability to see the reality of what is happening. Do I want to walk by the Spirit? Or do I want to walk by my flesh? Now notice here in verse 16, I want, to, I want you to see something. Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the... See the order there? The order is, walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What many believers do, look here, look here, many believers reverse it. What many believers do, if I try hard to deny the flesh, then I will walk by the Spirit, okay? That's a massive mistake. That is nowhere in the Bible. In fact, that's so important. Let's get this incorrect theology and correct the theology on the screen. I, I need you to see this. This could change your life right here, okay? Here's the wrong theology. I just said it. Let's see it on the screen. If I try hard to deny the flesh, then I will walk by the Spirit. Many of us are doing that right now. I gotta try harder. I gotta fix my life. I got how many people before they are baptized say, I gotta get my life in order, I gotta be in a better place, then I'll be baptized. Where's that in the Bible? Nowhere. The correct theology is if I walk by the Spirit, then this is what happens first. The surrendering, the yielding, the praying, the reading God's word, the desire, the longing, the leadership of Him, the the, the desires of my heart for the Spirit of God, then when he has my desires, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't do this. It'll never work out well. This is what we're called to do. It's right there in the Bible, verse 16. Only the Holy Spirit of God is my flesh denier. Therefore, only the Holy Spirit of God is the antidote to the flesh. The only antidote to the flesh in my life is the Holy Spirit. Only He can deny my flesh. And now we're going to get a little bit specific on the activity and the desires of the flesh versus the Spirit. So, am I in step with the Holy Spirit of God? I must walk by the Spirit, flesh denier. Number two, I must be led by the Spirit, fruit producer. Okay. Now I love this. Not only is the Holy Spirit of God the flesh denier in my life, he doesn't just stop there though. It's not good enough for the Holy Spirit to say, stop doing that. But now he says, beyond that, now I want to produce the grace of God in your life. Now I want to produce the fruit that only I can produce, the Holy Spirit says, through your life. So look at verse 18 now. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident. Now this is, look at how rotting our flesh really is. Pick up the stench of death of our flesh in verses 18, 19, and 20, okay? Notice verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. The three sins listed here are all sensual or sexual sins. How important is it to the Spirit of God for sexual purity in our lives? The works of the flesh, sexual immorality, that can also be translated as adultery. Impurity can also be translated as fornication, sensuality. That can be translated even as debauchery. The works, how many of us in this room right now severely struggling struggling with sexual purity? That is the flesh in you seeking to ruin you. You gotta see it for what it is. The works of the flesh. All these, our society is one big works of the flesh. Our whole society revels, celebrates, and glories in the destruction of the flesh through sexual impurity and disgusting things that are going on all over the place. You gotta see it for what it is. Not a joke, not something to laugh at, not take lighthearted. It's a massive deal to the Spirit of God. Why? It's the works of the flesh. It's anti-spirit, anti-Christ, anti-kingdom of God. And it's everywhere. And in us right now, someone's sitting here right now, men and women, the flesh is in you seeking to destroy you. See it for what it is. Don't treat it lightly. It's trying to kill you. It's to ruin everything about you. It's the works of the flesh. First category is sexual sins. Second category is religious sins. Verse 20, idolatry, sorcery. It's interesting, this is, sorcery can be translated witchcraft. So here you have the desire of the philosophy, the spirit of the age, the demonic activity, but the flesh seeks to pursue the spiritual in its own fleshly way. In fact, behind the word sorcery is where we get our English word for pharmacy, and it related back in the ancient times to the drugs or potions or spells in witchcraft which seemed to alleviate people's issues or problems and make them get to a higher state. And look at our world today, this the rampant growth of drugs. All of these things which are seeking to put us in a different mental state where the flesh can run rampant again and have its way without any hindrance or restrictions. See it for what it is, man. These are works of the flesh. Look at the third category in verse 20. We're going to call this social sins. All works of the flesh. Enmity, uh, strife, conflict with one another, jealousy. Just, just think in your life how you're so tempted with jealousy and strife in marriage, in family, in friends, in coworkers, in neighborhoods, in people you don't like at all. When you have the jealous feeling that rises up within you, that's the flesh. It's the works of the flesh. It's not good. There's nothing good about it. Look at the next one. Fits of anger. Some of us here right now, we struggle with a very serious temper. We have outbursts of rage. We are hurting people with our words and our temper and our anger. It's just the flesh. It's the works of of the flesh seeking to ruin you. This is the battle we're talking about. This is the raging battle within of the Spirit of God within me and the flesh that's within me that wants to ruin my life. Notice rivalries, dissensions, divisions. 
How many churches alone have been brought down by those three things? Rivalries between leaders, divisions between groups of people. It's the flesh. The Holy Spirit never leads us to fight and hate one another in this way in competition or division or dissensions. Notice next, envy. Wanting what someone else has or are so angry because someone else has what you think you deserve. That's not good. That's the flesh. It's the flesh rising up to ruin us. Next one's drunkenness. Drunkenness. It's just a drink. It's just a few drinks. It's, it's escape. It's the flesh's desire to make you avoid the reality of life and to try to convince you and lie to you that these next few moments or hours will put you in a state of peace and your own version of sick joy, but really it's, it's one massive lie of the flesh. It's, it's your flesh rising up within you to destroy you. Drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, um, unrestricted wild partying, debauchery, no limits on where humans will go in this type of setting is what Paul's describing here. Why do I take time in this? I, I want you to see just how rotting our flesh really is. We need to see. It carries with it, with it the stench of, of death. Why do you say that? Well, look at the end of verse 21. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Those who do, what does that mean? Those who do such things. Not the act of the sin, it's the practice of the sin. So those who practice, those who have lifestyles in such sinful behaviors, there's no way that they can be truly led by the Spirit of God because all of these are anti-Christ, anti-Spirit, and we're learning now, anti-Kingdom of God. So the person who's anti-Christ, anti-Spirit, anti-Kingdom of God can't possibly be truly filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Now, does that mean we'll never make a mistake? And we're not of course, that happens. But it's the habit, it's the lifestyle, it's the lack of repentance. There's no remorse, there's no contrition, there's no desire to change. It's just free for all in this principal habit of sin and flesh in my life. That is an indication that person, there's no way they know the Lord Jesus Christ. Not my words. God's word. I want you to notice too, verse 19, the works of the flesh, compared with verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, do you see the difference there? What are works? Works are what we earn. We work to earn something. It, that's our sin. But notice, the fruit of the Spirit, we can't produce fruit that's all God. That's all Christ. That's all Holy Spirit. So do you see here? This is what Paul says in verse 18. But be led by the Spirit because of the works of the flesh, he lists. But then he says in verse 22, look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so on. See? So the works are what we earn, but the fruit is only what the Lord can produce. Think about it. Even as human beings, you, you and we, we can't manufacture fruit. You know, 
We can't make apples grow. We plant a seed. We water, we plant and water, but God gives the growth as Paul uses that example for the church and our growth in Christ in 1 Corinthians 3. We plant and water, but we can't, we can't create the growth. That's the Holy Spirit of God. That's why this wonderful example of fruit. You plant an apple seed, you water it, but you, but you can't manufacture the thing to grow and start producing apples. You have to sit and wait and see the miracle of growth happen because it's of the Lord. The same within our lives. We must be led by the Spirit. Because only when we're led by the Spirit will we produce the fruit of the Spirit. And I love that. The Holy Spirit is an inexhaustible fruit producer. He never runs out of fruit. His fruit is always ripe, always delicious, and always fresh. His fruit is supernaturally precious. And loved ones, listen, the Holy Spirit never runs out of fruit. Ever. I think of the fruit stands I see in the summertime, and they're the fresh fruit from Ontario, whatever it's coming from, and you, and you stop by those seasonal fresh fruit stands, and it's delicious, and you get some, you bring it home, and you're so excited about it. But the problem with the fruit stands is they're, they're seasonal. It's probably hard to find one right now in Ontario on the side of the road in the middle of winter. But the Holy Spirit's fruit is never out of season, always in season. When we're led by the Spirit, we will then produce the fruit of the Spirit because He is the one who does that within us. So... Just to show this to you, i got a bowl of fruit here, all right? And I want you to see this. Now notice this. Fruit is not to be admired when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is to be eaten. It's meant to be consumed. So we are led by the Spirit, and then all of a sudden, as we're led by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit comes from our lives. And we are using that to bless others. So I want to hand out some fruit today. Eric, here you go, some fruit for you. So as, as the fruit comes from my life, I'm going to throw this in the back row. Okay, just joking, just joking, all right? I won't do that. I won't do that, all right? When the fruit comes from my life, I naturally, I bear it. Here you go, Brad. And you receive the fruit from my life. Because listen, you can't stop this process. When we are led and walking by the Spirit of God, you are producing fruit. And it's delicious. And here you go, man. Ready? It's a banana for you, man. Enjoy, all right? Enjoy. And I want you to see that when we're living the Christian life, this is what happens. It's beautiful. It's glorious. Because if you are led by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit comes from our lives because that's what the Holy Spirit does. You cannot stop the fruit of the Spirit when I'm being led by the Spirit. Think about that. It kind of reminds me of John 15. Maybe Paul was thinking of the words of Jesus. If the branch attaches to the vine, the sap and juice from the vine flows into the branch, giving it life and vitality, producing fruit through it. What is abiding in the vine in John 15? It's walking by the Spirit. It's being led by the Spirit. It's a supernatural process. Now notice the fruit here in verse 22. Notice it's singular. It's not plural. So the fruit of the Spirit is a cluster. All believers get to bear. So it's not that, you know, Adrian, Eric, Adrian, you get uh, love and you get joy and I get peace, uh, but I got to wait for my turn to get love and you wait turn to get That's not how it works. When we are bearing the fruit of the Spirit, it comes in that cluster and all of it is seen through our lives. It's beautiful. It's awesome. But we got to be led by the Spirit. 
to see the fruit of our lives. Don't you see why the battle is so serious in our lives of spirit versus flesh? Because the one is seeking to produce death. The other is seeking to produce life. This is why we must surrender ourselves to the spirit of God because this is where life is truly lived. This is why, too, when we are walking in the flesh, there's so much guilt and conviction. When we are unkind to someone, when we hate someone, when we do something wrong, when we cheat, and the Holy Spirit comes in, all of a sudden we feel so much shame and guilt because there's a law against those things. There's a law against enmity and strife and sexual impurity. There's a law against those, but there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit because that's the very virtue and the will of God. And so, of course, we don't feel conviction or shame or guilt when we're loving someone. We don't feel guilt and shame. We have joy for someone. No. Or feel joy at all and peace in life. Because there's no law against that. Which is what it says right there in the Word of God at the end of verse 21. Or in the end of verse 23. Against such things there is no law. You know what I want you to notice too? I just think some, Notice the bookends of our passage. Now, I mean by bookends, look at so the whole, this whole spirit versus flesh, but look at verse um, 15 in Galatians 5. Because some of you are like, so, so what does this look like? Well, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Do you want to walk by the flesh? Bite and devour each other. Do you want to have the flesh rise up in your life? Do you want to grieve the Holy Spirit? Do that. Bite and devour one another. Let that be seen in your marriage, in your home, in your friendships, in your whatever, workplace, just, just do that and you will see anti-spirit behavior. Look at the other bookend, verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Do you think those two verses are placed with intention? Ah, yes. You don't walk by the Spirit? Avoid those things. Avoid envy, avoid conceit, avoid provoking one another. And then look at verse 24 now, just going verse by verse through our text, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, so there's a lot of hope right here in this verse, okay, here, here's what Paul is saying. At conversion, we belong to Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. The penalty of sin is removed. At conversion, our sinful flesh, listen carefully, okay, this is important theology. At conversion, our sinful flesh is nailed to the cross. It's crucified with Christ. Now what we know is the flesh is defeated, but the flesh in us still tries to create chaos. You say, well, how do you explain that? If it's crucified, why does it still live at all? Why is there any sin in me at all? I think a good metaphor illustration is, think of a chicken running around with his head cut off. Some of you are like, ew, that's gross. Some of you are like, oh, that's really helpful. I've seen that before, all right? When a chicken's head is cut off, it can, it can run around and flail all over the place, creating chaos. Now, the death blow has been delivered on that chicken. You all agree with that? It's just a matter of time before the thing, it's not moving anymore, all right? But in the meantime, in this period of flailing and running around, that's our flesh. The death blow has been delivered at the cross. But by the design of God, and for purposes we understand, and some purposes we don't fully understand, our flesh is still able to flail around and create chaos and trying to bring us down. But, but, but we know the flesh has been defeated. 
crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, this is a very important point that Satan hates that I'm teaching this right now on the screen for you. He hates this truth because what he wants you to think is, I'll never get over my sin. I'll never get victory over my flesh. It's too strong. I can't defeat it. That addiction's too much. This habit is, it takes me down for too long. I can't recover. That's all a lie. If you are truly saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, your flesh has been crucified. The head of the chicken has been cut off. What does this mean? That means this. Our flesh is ultimately defeated. This is huge. The passions of our flesh can be overcome. Look at it. With its passions and desires. So this means I can defeat my flesh by the Spirit of God, the grace of God, the Son of God, for the glory of God. I don't have the strength. He has the strength, and He lives in me. You see, so even that's a turning point for some of us here right now. We have within us the ability to daily, verse 24 is speaking about a daily conscious decision to crucify the flesh, how? By the Spirit. Not, I deny the Spirit so that I can walk, by, or deny the flesh, walk in the Spirit. No, no, no. I walk by the Spirit to deny the flesh. This can be done. So some of us are here right now and we're living in defeat. Some of us are here right now and the flesh has just had a heyday. Some of us are here right now and we've been lying in the ditch for so long, man, and felt defeated and discouraged and dismayed and despair and depressed. And Jesus' name today could be a new day. In Jesus' name, by the theology of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, here's what we're learning. He's the flesh denier. He's the fruit producer. I want you to see this too, okay, again. The moralist or the legalist, they can stop hating someone in some ways, that's not that I don't murder a person. Lots of people can do that. But notice, to walk by the Spirit, it's not just you're not murdering someone. You replace that desire for loving someone. So it's not good enough to not just do the negative, but we are instructed to be filled with the positive, the grace of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the flesh denier, Him alone. He's the fruit producer, Him alone. And thirdly, we'll end with this very briefly, I must live by the Spirit. Why? Because He's the life giver. He's the life giver. Look at verse 25 now. Verse 25 says, if we live by, so notice, walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, now live by the Spirit, and live by the Spirit is a different verb than verse 16 for walking by the Spirit, to follow in line with, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in, here's our sermon title, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Notice verse 25, if is the condition. If you are alive by the Spirit of God, then the imperative, the obligation is follow the Holy Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Because He's the one who leads us to life. Loved ones, if the Holy Spirit has regenerated you and given you life, how then can we not follow the one who has caused us to have life in the first place? This will be the difference maker of all the believers who have ever lived. This will be the difference maker between the ditch and riding in the strength and the power and the glory of God. I want to put that slide up of the bike. I said before the service I may not, but let me put that up again. I just want you to see, okay, where are you? Where are you in this? All right? Here's a picture of what, you know, 
Some of us are here right now, praise the Lord. You will only stay there by the Spirit of God. Some of us are drifting right now. We're making bad decisions. The flesh is rising up, man, and the bike started to turn over. Some of us are bracing for serious impact and pain. And some of us here right now, man, if truth be told, we're, we're not in a good place. The answer to every, that's good enough, you can take that slide off now. The answer to every single situation is the Holy Spirit of God. To stay where you are in a great place, to be rescued from where you are in a drifting place, to be rescued from the disastrous place, the answer is walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh because the Holy Spirit of God is the flesh denier, the fruit producer, and the life giver. God, would you bear so much fruit through our church. Amen?